0: The Mike Count Show. It is 8.33 on the Mike Count Show. It's 102.5 The Bone. In the studio with us, wrestler, rock star, author, lemonade spokesman Chris Jericho is here. How are you, buddy?
1: Well, i got a couple uh, grievances with oh, you. Oh, right out of the gate. <laughs> <Goodness> <laughs> First of all, I show up uh, at the gate, and I'm not on the list. i got to sit there for five minutes while the guy scans my license. How ironic <laughs> that you're not on the list. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm funny. I'm really funny. Here's another thing. I don't like this either. I'm sitting on this little couch here. I see what you're doing. It's it's one of those uh, slightly showing who's dominant as you sit behind a palatial <laughs> desk <laughs> and got me at a, at a freaking couch with three idiots behind me <laughs> talking all this stuff. Here. Do you wanna sit do you wanna
0: like, sit here? Yeah, I'm cheap, not a big dude. fan
1: of this new setup, to be honest with you. <laughs> so so you gotta make this better because I don't like having people I'm a feng shui guy. Yeah, right. I don't oh, we'll like move. having we'll people move. sitting behind me. Yeah. Yeah. Be very Get nice. out of his way. Yeah. Get out of the way. I'm the there guy that go. needs to sit next to the wall in case anything breaks out so I can keep an eye on it, right? <laughs> Look, this guy's got a bottle. How am I supposed to do not like gonna smash it over my head?
0: <laughs> like that was a, my plan. Once he got comfortable, hit him with a bottle. It's
1: like a horror movie. Pull up at a residential estate, come inside this dingy garage, and now it's hostile to the Calta effect.
0: This is so, it's interesting, before this, you were so sweet. Before well, uh, yeah, because yeah.
1: I got need I I, you got to bring me in here I sit here for 50 minutes of commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say this, though. So, the only reason why I'm even here yeah. is because of, there was a pandemic, right? Right. And uh, I think some kind of email was sent, oh, my Calto show. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's always cool. And uh, But I'm not doing any more Zooms. I'm not doing any, I'm sick of this Zoom yeah. stuff. So let me just go into the studio. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you know how long it's been since I did it in studio? No, it's it's anywhere. well over a year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm here. If this if this was like two months down the line, I would just have probably just done a phoner.
0: Yeah, I, well, here's the thing. Uh, you you're on the list of a few people that I love to have on the show where if you would have said a phoner, I would have went, oh, Fine. Because because I, I how much I like you, but phoners suck on all levels. We talk over each other. Yeah, yeah we yeah. do that, and then people would start to tune out because of the quality of it. Right, and plus, uh, when you have somebody in the studio that can look around and observe that one guy's going to hit him with a bottle and another one's going to do it, it just makes it a
1: whole lot better. Well, and the thing is too is that um, you know, thankfully through all of this there was uh, the technology available, like to have a Zoom, for example, or StreamYard is what I use. Yeah, me too. Had we not had that, things would have been a lot worse, because at least you can see each other while you're talking. And that's kind of like you know doing doing Talk as Jericho my podcast. Uh, it is better than a phone interview, mm-hmm. not as good as in person, but at least there's a happy medium, and that's one of the few positives from this last year, is at least we have that at our disposal. Yes. Because like you mentioned, when you can't see somebody's face, that's when you're talking over each other, and that's what you do. Like, I had, uh, I'm sure you did as well, uh, when when Power Up, the new ACDC record, came out. For the first time ever, they did tons of press. Right, And I had Angus and, and Brian on, uh, and thankfully it was on StreamYard or whatever. The, 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 if not... You wouldn't... You, Firstly, you can't understand what the hell Angus is I I love, the, I well,
0: love of, Brian Johnson. They are the worst people and, to talk on the it, phone
1: it, with. And it was great, but on the phone, you, wouldn't, it, but, uh, well, and pl- you wouldn't know because Angus is a thinker and you, he's been taking his time. You've right. been talking over I'm like, this would be a disaster yeah. if I couldn't see these guys' faces. So at least we have that at our disposal, but there is nothing better than being in person, face-to-face. So congratulations. This is my first in-studio. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, thank, thank you very you know, much. 60 and months. Al- also, you have to understand as a host of a show and a guy who really appreciates you it pains me And you and, like, a couple of comedians and stuff, it pains me to ask people to get up early in the morning and drive over here. I know it's terrible.
1: That's the game, though, Yeah, I know, but it's just,
0: I know in the morning you got up and you were brushing teeth and you're like, I had the one goddamn day I could sleep late and I had to go to this jack-off show. but, no,
1: but, dude, if you think that way, the the one day, it's been 365 days of sleeping in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it wasn't quite that bad, but (laughs) I I actually was looking forward to it. Like, thankfully, there's somewhere to go. And it's funny, too, there's all these, you know, kismet and, and, the, you know, things happen because supposed to happen. I was just in L.A. last week and I did a, a show with Steve-O. Oh, yeah. And the first thing's like, where do you live, dude? I live in Tampa. Ah, Mike Calton, that's my guy. <laughs> Let's take a picture and send it to him. Did you get that picture yeah, of yeah, us? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, so now the universe is telling me I got to go in, and go in studio with, with Mike because it's been a long time. He,
0: let me tell you why he's the best. So uh, you have, a, how old is your son now? Uh,
1: 17 and a half. Okay. Almost 18.
0: Now, and I'm sure I've talked to you about this before, but my son's 14 and I'm in a constant... I in mean, a constant uh, striving to try and let him see me as somebody cool. <laughs> and it is
1: nowhere on no, his radar no, whatsoever. No. What about for you? Um, so my son is almost 18, like I said, and, and he's – I can remember – Being about 18 or 19, when I started realizing that my dad was. Yeah, because your dad was
0: a hockey player.
1: Yeah, Yeah. for 10 years.
0: So you didn't think about your dad playing for the Rangers and you're not like.
1: You do, but it's just your dad, right? Yeah. You know, it's like no big deal. And then you start realizing, oh my gosh. And now, like with the advent of YouTube, like I'm finding his fights and his goals and all this different stuff. And. Ash is my son, and Ash is starting to figure that out too. Where there'll be certain things where he's like, "Oh my gosh, you know, like yesterday I just happened to run into Tom Brady." Uh, oh,
0: oh, I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah,
1: we could yeah. talk about. But he's, "Oh my god, you know, know Snoop Dogg, or you know Shaq, or like, this is crazy, man. Like, and and that's like, you finally realize like maybe he's going to start doing some research." And figuring out, like, oh, my gosh, my dad is a pretty cool cat. Right, right, right. You know, because you don't see that at first when you're a kid, because it's just your father, just your parents, and that's the way it should be. But when you get a little bit older, now you can figure out, oh, my gosh, this guy does a lot of pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just think, uh, at first, probably in your house, your your son has seen, uh, you know, his grandfather was on TV, his father's on TV, so maybe it's a little bit more, more run in the mill for him.
1: Maybe, but I, but I think kids are just kids and they, yeah. until you get a little older, and then you can start. Like my, my, my daughters, too. They with the, There's certain things that will happen, like we were watching Scream. They went through a scream phase where they watched one, two, three, four. Yeah. And I think in between one and two, I text David Arquette I'm like, hey, can you send a a, a video for my daughters? Uh-huh. And like, hey, before you watch Scream 3, I got something for you. And like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Okay, good, so good. When so you those just... types of things happen, you can utilize your your, your relationships with these guys and, and get a little video here and there.
0: So my son has a crew of kids. that are There's always ten kids at my house at, at all points. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, they, you would think that at that point, one of them has listened. To the show and there's like oh your dad's that cool guy from the radio they're all like what's the radio no <laughs> they couldn't care. the coolest thing i could do is take them to uh, get some food you know so um they're in there and and uh i'm projecting pictures up onto the tv in the kitchen trying to find something and i flipped through pictures and there was me with every celebrity and they didn't care at all and steve-o was the one that they were like you know go right. steve-o and i'm like
1: this that's yeah. what you're doing yeah yeah, but that's the if that's what they're into yeah That's what works. So I I FaceTime
0: Stevo instantly, and I said, "I'm sorry, but this is the one time I'm going to be cool." Get street cred while you can. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho is here in the studio with us. Uh, How did you? Now you, I know that you're a high flying, wheeling and dealing guy. uh, Private jet everywhere for you? Is that what you ran into, Brainy?
1: No. um, So what happened was, and this sounds so pretentious, but it's really not. And after 30 years of being on the road. You know, um, damn it, I deserve it now. Yeah, you Uh, earned it. Traveling uh, uh, is hard. When you travel as much as I do, being on the plane, all that stuff, and then add a pandemic to it, it just made it way worse. Because what happened was we uh, were forced to work the last 16 months in Jacksonville. Yeah. If you follow AEW, you know that we just had our final Jacksonville show on Wednesday. It was a little bit bittersweet because, like, oh my gosh, we've been here for 16 months. Crazy. And there was no direct flight from Jacksonville to to Tampa. There used to be in Southwest, but that got canceled right out of the gate with uh, COVID. And so then. I'm like, okay, so now I get to fly through Atlanta, Atlanta to Jacksonville. It's gonna take me four and a half, five hours. Plus, you gotta wear oh, a mask. Drive at that Plus, you're a little bit scared. Yeah. Drive is four hours, and I was like, let me just see. I got to, you know. You, you, like you just said, you, certain people come out of the woodwork. Hey, my name's so and so, and I work for this, uh, you know, charter company. So I just tried it one week, and it was not super expensive, right? and plus if there's some other cats from Tampa that live here, which there are, they jump in, so then the company pays me for my plane ticket on Delta, let's say, and those guys, and suddenly it's not
0: half of the price half
1: yeah. yeah so i just got into the habit of using of using the private jet and now it's like it's so easy because there's no security someone picks you up at, you know at the door and drops you off at the door yeah. you don't have to wear a mask back with well you still have to wear a mask in the airport which is a whole other thing that's ridiculous but um anyway so it's so much easier not super expensive and more importantly worth it for your mental peace of mind oh sure uh, yes sure so that's why i had the plane to Jacksonville. So and,
0: you, you get out and you see Brady on the tarmac. How does that go?
1: Well, usually like sometimes when I come back from from Jacksonville, you know, like you've had a couple drinks and maybe like there's been a few times when I wake up at my house I, I don't even know how I got home. <laughs> I don't remember the flight. Like, oh my gosh, what happened? So this time was not one of those times. Uh I actually went to bed fairly early on Wednesday uh after the show. So I I get up and go on the plane and when we land um my guy, Steve, who's the driver guy, he's like, yeah, like it like, took me a while to get on the tarmac. Why? Because the lightning is leaving oh, yeah. the airport. and that, So the lightning is, is to the right of me. Right. And then as I'm looking at the lightning kind of getting on their jet, they had a Delta charter. Yeah. He goes, oh my gosh, look at that. It's Tom Brady. So I got the lightning to the right of me. It, it's like Bra- stuck in the middle with you. Uh-huh. Lightning to the right of me. <laughs> Brady's to the left or whatever. And I look over there and Brady's over there. And he's like literally... I don't know. I'd say twenty feet. I'm right. Like, you can sit here and look at him like he's a circus animal. But, you know, screw it, man. I got you know. I'm not you know, some, just some dude or right, whatever. Right. So, hey, Tom, Tom, and I say Chris Jericho, uh, go to shake his hand, and he's he's pretty cordial, and cool, but he's he's got his, his families on the on the plane. Yeah. But I had done some stuff a few years ago on Raw where I threatened to put him on the list. <laughs> and he might, you know, you think you're the goat? You know what happens when you think you're the goat? You just made the list. Uh-oh. So um maybe he kind of knew me from that. Maybe he knew me because Tampa, you know, you might know the other celebs that live in Tampa. Yeah. And, of course, also I work for the Khan family who own the Jaguars. Football, so I'm sure yeah. Tom has heard of this wrestling company owned by the family. So he was cool man and he's like hey you guys are doing great things and we talked a little bit and of course you got know, to take the picture and leave but here's the best part. I was looking at the picture last night and you know it's, it's kind of cool and you know caption it goat meets goat or whatever for yeah, yeah, yeah. fun. And I'm looking at the comments of people that you follow. They're at the top. And lo and behold, here's Tom Brady. Gives me like multiple fist uh, fizz- emojis. Oh, wow. So I, I sent him a DM. And then maybe uh, maybe later on he might uh, DM me back. You guys and might we'll, be best friends. We'll officially be friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it's weird to me to see that level of, uh, of you, the way people probably treat you you treating somebody else that way. Like, you don't want to bother him, but he's famous, and you kind of got to take advantage of the situation. Yeah, and
1: also, like, I, I know what it's like, too, and I, I don't ever have a problem with someone come up to talk to me, especially if someone with some notoriety. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You just run into some. You're in a
0: fraternity of famous well, yeah, people. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. And literally, like, you know, not once again, it sounds so pretend, but you know, his plane's right beside mine, so like it was just kind You're of... You're
0: not a, some jagoff that's going to start and, and, breathing alcohol breath in his face. He, he, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: and, he, and he, that's not... A problem, either if this is somebody <laughs> on the street, but it's just kind of cool. Like, when you meet other people that have, and obviously, Tom Brady, the notoriety he has is is, is much more than Chris Jericho, but he could say, he, I'm sure he's, hey, man, Chris Jericho, the wrestler guy, just ran into on the tarmac, yeah. you know, and, 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 and Giselle goes, What is wrestling? And then they just go <laughs> back to whatever they're doing. It's but wes- wrestling. but yeah. I, the thing about Tom is he's tall, but he's very thin. Yeah. And I was really like, Oh, wow. Like, it's like when you meet, Gretzky, he's very small stature. Yeah, he's like a little boy. Yeah, and you mm. see the different guys. It's like, okay, so this guy's really tall and thin. And then, you know, football, you're supposed to be as big as you can. Well, not not Tom Brady, no. who is the, the greatest ever. So it just goes to show it's not so much the uh, stereotypical, you must do this, you must do that. It's kind of the talent that you have that was God-given sure. birth
0: to you. It was it was interesting to see a, a picture of the two of you together. That's from a, from a fans of both yeah, point of view. It it's pretty cool.
1: Thank you. And it's funny too. because I'm wearing like a kind of a ill-fitting Warriors. Yeah. Shirt. Like, if I would have known I was going to meet Tom Brady this morning and have a picture that got a hundred thousand likes on Instagram, I would have had a better. Like I should have worn something something sleeveless. I could have looked a little bit bigger. <laughs> but you don't know. The only thing I'm glad is that I wasn't you know like blackout drunk, so at least I could carry a conversation <laughs> on with him.
0: Uh, Chris Jericho is in the studio with us. I got so I got to. I've been talking about this for the last year, and I'm going to put this out there. And and I don't. I, I, I can't, I want you to give me the process, but I can't for the life of me believe that AEW, as successful as it is, launched, so many other wrestling federations have launched to try and do something with money, with backing and all that, and they're all garbage. You launch this AEW with the Khan family, with money, with the backing, all that, and a plan during a pandemic, and it is hugely successful. And Vince McMahon is literally feeding you celebrities, uh, superstars, to go over there. He has let go more people in this last year that have dec- decided to come over there now that there's another place for them to go. It- tell me there is no... Uh, Symbiotic relationship between <laughs> well, the two of
1: you. The, well, the first of all, there isn't. Yeah. And second of all, how many of those guys that he's released have you really have we really taken?
0: I don't know. I don't. But there's, I don't. There's not many. Some I, though, and they and all. But now they all have a place to go. It's not even a matter that you're that's taking not, them. But
1: that's not true. I think if they've released thirty guys we might have taken three of them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. This isn't just a feeder system for WWE. No, no, and I, no, I don't no, think no, that no, whatsoever. No, I'm not saying that you are, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, I don't know why they're releasing so many people, but the point is what happened was the reason why they signed so many guys was to keep them from AEW. So they kind of, uh, they're like, you know, a glutton for talent. I'm not sure exactly what Hold on
0: words. to them yeah, so they o- can't do o- it.
1: overstocking the system so they couldn't go anywhere else. Then when the dust settled and, and Vince realizes, like, why are we having all these guys here that, Aren't going to ever make any money, and it, it, this isn't like and I'm not saying this derogatory, but, but years ago when TNA was a thing, yeah. if someone got released and in WCW too, if someone got released from WWE, they'd be on TNA the next day with the same character, and it's like you know if it's Mike Calt, it's Kike Malta. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's an impact zone. We don't do that because we have a, a huge roster as it is. But our guys are much more homegrown, and there are a few guys. We brought Andrade in. We brought Miro in and those type of guys. But Miro, I mean, that's the prototype of what a wrestler should be. Yeah, He can do a promo. He's a beast. He looks good. He looks – you know, he can talk good. I don't know why certain guys fall through the cracks, and there are a couple guys that we feel could be main event stars for us. But there's also dozens of others that are like – you know, good luck to you. We're not just bringing in because you worked in WWE for three months. You know, no, WWE and I'm not cares. talking about those
0: right. guys. But I'm talking about like a Braun Strowman, who Vince built up and created, and then all of a sudden was like. Like, I would see him as a guy, even if they don't want to use him anymore, is keeping him on the contract so that he couldn't go over yeah, to but, you. but,
1: you know, who's to say that we'll even bring him in? I don't know. Yeah. You know, um, I think what happened was, once again, it all goes back to AEW. When I signed there, it's like when Bobby Hall, you want to talk hockey, when Bobby Hall signed with the WHA in 1971, and the NHL was terrified that the whole roster was going to go, Jump, uh, so they get everybody a raise, including my dad. He went from 35 grand to 100 grand, not to go to WHA. Right. That's kind of what happened in, in, in AEW when I signed there, uh, it became real. And Vince then signed everybody in WWE to huge raises. Yeah, I think what happened for in the case of some of these guys, let's say Braun Strowman, he realized that maybe if he's signing these guys to I don't know what he signed them to, let's say a million dollars a year, and then realizes well this guy isn't worth a million dollars a year, I'll just cut them and then maybe bring him back three months from now for half the contract. Right, right, right. That's kind of what he can do up there, because those guys don't know any better to get no-cut contracts. Yeah. So um, all of this stuff, it's all political games, and because we exist.
0: I, I think that he, I, I don't know him at all, I don't know, but I figure you go into him, and what do you say? You say, I'm leaving, because you're a guy who would come and go. You would leave to go do Fozzie yeah. stuff, and you would uh, take your time off to do other stuff. But but I never
1: left uh, WWE. Like, I always said, I'd never work anywhere but WWE. And then I started working in Japan for a few shows and realized, like... I was the top guy there, you know, headlining the Tokyo Dome three years in a row and is something where like in WWE, I'm second match. Mm -hmm. Here I am headlining and and drawing big money. I mean, New Japan uh, streaming service went up 300% when I got there. Wow. Like literally. So there's a lot of money to be made with, with, with Chris Jericho still. And um that's when I started hearing about AEW and, and started talking to Tony Khan and realized it was kind of a real challenge but exciting to, to to think about going there.
0: Who is who is running things there before your before your input? Like who is there who, was no AW for man, but it, was, it that, started. So, I
1: was on the very first AW show. Okay, so they were yeah. they
0: were putting it together, and they said, "Look, we need yeah, we yeah. need this guy." Yeah, okay. exactly.
1: And they did because at the time they didn't have a lot of faces that the that could come on a Mike Colter show that people would go, oh, "Oh, I know this guy," right? You know, um, and that was the case for the first three months of AEW. It was built on my shoulders and, and my my uh, you know recognition, uh, my star power, I guess yeah. you would say. And three months in. Thank goodness we went from uh, basically an ad rev share on TNT to getting a a four year one hundred seventy five million dollar contract. And I think that a lot of it was because oh we know who Chris Jericho is. Let's check this out, and then they could see all the other guys on the roster and realize how good they were. Well,
0: you also you have a. I mean, you're not just you're not just uh, you're one of those guys where they say. Like some actors, like Tom Cruise, are like Tom Cruise is a celebrity, but then there's other people who are actors. You're one of those guys who are both. You're the superstar face, but you're also a guy who who is this business. You you know it from inside out. You've trained uh, in the dungeon. I mean, you've wrestled yeah. in Japan. They're not getting a guy who's just a face of it. You know no, the business.
1: And, and the thing is, too, it wasn't just coming in to get a, a, a paycheck. Like I put a lot of right. You want to make this work. a lot of pride into yeah, because yeah. this is my legacy. Yeah. You know, if if it doesn't work. Well, then I can go back to WWE with my tail between my legs. If it works, suddenly we change the course of the business, which we did. I mean, like you mentioned, how many guys have come and gone over the years saying, you know, oh, the owner of the New York Mets is going to start a wrestling company or whatever it may be. So when you hear the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to start a wrestling company, it's the same idea until you realize this guy's got passion. He's got knowledge. Yes, he's got a lot of money, which you need. Then we had like a bunch of guys whose contracts had kind of expired that were really big in Japan and uh, and kind of here on a lower level, but not had ever really been seen before, so they're not being retread.
0: Well, you you yeah. put Kenny Omega. I mean, for guys who didn't know wrestling. Well,
1: sure, but there was the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody, yeah. Hangman. Then we got Darby and Jungle Boy and MJF and all the inner circle guys. Like we built those guys very quickly right. because we had to. But you had never really seen these guys on national TV, so it wasn't like you know here's you know Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage again. We've seen a thousand. I don't know if yeah. Randy's not with us, but you know what I'm saying. So um, that kind of was there, and then we got the TNT deal, yeah. and then got the extension, and suddenly this is a viable uh, alternative, and it's drawing ratings and drawing big numbers in the demo, which you know I call myself the demo god, uh, <laughs> not in jest because it is a real thing,
0: and and, and our the,
1: demos are through the roof.
0: And for the casual fan who tunes in, you don't want something that that looks subpar. Even you don't even want to look in the beginning stages and go uh, look at. No. It looked like it looked like a, a WrestleMania from day one. And it had to because yeah. if
1: not people like you said you don't get too long you you only get a first uh, one chance to make a first impression. But then throw this in the mix the fact that there is a worldwide pandemic <laughs> where uh, you know, I think let's see, October, November, December, January, February, three, four, five months in. Suddenly, we go to this uh, no people. Yeah, and you're like, what the hell are we gonna do? That
0: and people don't realize. They don't. They don't realize how important that is because, and over the years, I've seen matches that are dictated by the crowd. You know, the match is supposed to go one way. All the all
1: matches. Same. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I, I mean,
1: maybe not changing things, but but that dictates what you're doing in the match. Right. It'd be like being a, a stand-up comedian. And having and, no laugh And doing your routine in front of a wall. Yeah. Like, I think th- this would kill. If there was people here, this would kill. <laughs> but there's not... And at first back in the uh you know, the, the fun days of remember flatten the curve and it's only gonna be two weeks. Yeah. And, well, okay, we'll do what we can and then suddenly you realize, Oh my gosh, this isn't going this is anywhere. It. Yeah. And, and there's no people here. So we were lucky enough that we could work in Daly's place in Jacksonville, which is connected to the to the Jaguar Stadium. So we had a venue. It was outdoors. We came up with the idea of having you know some of our low lower level guys and the extras and the crew in the crowd, yeah, so at least we had fifty people to to work in front of, which by the way, fifty people is no treat right. Um, I'm, you know, I say it all the time. But there's some people like, don't you feel bad for the young guys working in front of no people? I'm like, screw the young guys. they feel bad for me. That's right. <laughs> you used
0: to go out there, a hundred thousand people. <laughs> I've worked in front
1: of thousands of people since I was 21 years old. Be between Mexico and everything else, Japan, whatever. So you have to get used to it, and then you realize, like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? There is nobody here, and the reactions that we're getting are pretty much canned reactions from you know there there are guys so right, gonna so you know them, so they're gonna cheer when yeah. they're supposed to cheer, they're supposed to boo, and then you start losing. That element of 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 the living in the moment improv st- uh, part of wrestling, like you know, am I selling this too long? Am I selling this too short? I don't know because there's no there's nobody here to react you to what you're doing. It, yeah. So how do you know how long you do it? And um, so that was three, four, five months of no people. Then we finally started doing limited crowds. That first night we had, I think, five hundred people. It felt like it was in Madison Square Garden. Right, right. It's the greatest thing in the world. And then now we move back to full capacity. Our last pay per view had five thousand people in Daly's place, which was amazing. And then this week we go back on the road. We start in Miami next Wednesday.
0: Now, now, uh, how and how is Miami selling? All the other cities? Well, selling?
1: Miami's sold out right away. But the deal was, it was one of the. Um, Uh, Limited capacities, right? Okay. So I think we sold like fifty percent in five minutes or whatever, and then you know a week later when they open up the full building, it's not like you sell that other fifty percent in five minutes again. The moment is done, right? You know. So now we'll 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 do okay, but listen, there's going to be you know. Just going on the road, our last show was in Salt Lake City on March 11th, 2020. Wow. So I don't care if we're in Miami in front of, you know, I, there'll be a good crowd there. But the point is just getting out of Jacksonville. This is what you do. This yeah. is what we do, and it's not just getting out of, of Jacksonville's great. Just but now Miami, there's a different there's a different culture, sure, which will have different reactions, and there's a different arena to go to, and then the next week after that is Austin, Texas, same thing, and that's part of the fun too. Is it's always different when you go to different cities, so you don't really know what you're going to get. Yeah, you know Chicago always a great crowd. Uh, uh, you know Houston sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not as great. For example, so that's is part of it, too. I'm just looking up and seeing myself in the ring here. You're showing some highlights. That's Chris Jericho in AW in front of a full arena. It seems so foreign to me. Uh-huh. It almost looks like something out of a video game. Well, that can't be real. Look at that hat. You know, just it's, so, it's a whole different thing when you have those crowds there. And we're really excited to get back to doing that again, because that's what the business is all about.
0: You went through scarf phase, then you know, you're in hat phase?
1: Oh, everything, man. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I'm over the hat phase now. <laughs> yeah. You always got to keep yourself... Uh, uh, evolving and moving uh, to stay relevant. That's the way I've always thought. Uh,
0: I love it. I, I really do. You make me laugh, dude. You're one of, the, we're one of those guys that is just, I mean, I'm 49 years old. I've been watching wrestling since I was a kid. You're one of the few guys that just still makes <laughs> me laugh. Uh, in addition to being a wrestling superstar, uh, Chris Jericho is also an author and a rock star. Let's talk about this for a second. Now, I, I excuse my ignorance, but how long has
1: P.J. Farley been in Fozzy? He joined us over the pandemic. Oh, so that's new. I was like, how did I not know that? What happened was we had some shows last year. Uh, which we were crucified for, because you can't go and play shows. How I mean, dare we'll you? Shut your mouth. Just You don't want to go, don't go. Um, so we did a, a bunch of shows last year over the summer, and our bass player at the time, uh, Randy, didn't want to do them. And not only that, but he didn't want to do a photo shoot, and then I had a big 50th birthday party at my house. I called it Jericho Fest, where I basically had a, a rock festival in my backyard. Nice. Um, so he didn't want to do those, and, and that's fine. That, that's And listen, no heat, no problem at all, but somebody's got to come in to do these shows. Shows. Right, and we had just happened to like the Jericho Cruise was January of 2020. We had watched PJ play in one of the bands that I booked on the show, and as soon as uh, our guy didn't want to do it, my partner Rich and I were like, "Well, who should we get?" And we both said at the same time, "Why don't we bring in PJ?" And the f- problem when you when you sit out and somebody else comes in, if that somebody comes in and they do a tremendous job, then suddenly you're like,
0: "Yep, sorry, buddy,
1: this guy's." pretty freaking good and he yeah. fits in perfectly and he understands. He's been there and it was a very easy transition, so PJ's been with us. Uh, played minimal shows. You can see him in this uh, roller coaster video that we did, but we're getting ready to go back out again in September and PJ is a full-fledged member of uh, Fozzie now.
0: Uh, PJ Farley was in Trickster and that's how I know him since I was a kid, watching yeah. him as a kid in yeah. Trickster and then I was flipping through your, your Instagram story and I saw him like, that's PJ Farley. And I, and I thought, how am I that ignorant that I didn't know he's been in this whole time? Yeah, I'm like, that no, can't no, be he, possible.
1: He he just came in uh, over the last, you know, eight months or so.
0: If you asked me to be in that video and ride on that roller coaster <laughs> with you and offered me a hundred yeah. thousand dollars, I would say no.
1: What he's looking at is is for people that haven't seen this, so our new song, Sane, uh Great song. The, thank you very much. It was our highest debuting Fozzie song ever on rock radio. It's already become our sixth consecutive top thirty single and it's only been out for two months, so it's got a big bullet behind it. So um, we decided to do something different for the video. Yeah. And we went to a place called Holiday World in Santa Claus, Indiana. Uh-huh. And it, this says the the longest uh, wooden roller coaster in the world, and you can see a wooden roller coaster throws you around a lot harder oh, yeah. than a normal roller coaster would. And I'm not a roller coaster guy either. So what we did is we stuck the like uh,
0: how not like I like looking at that is making me nervous. Like how well, not a roller coaster guy. Well, are you? so
1: we stuck. I'm not at all. And it was Rich's idea. The guy behind me he wanted to do this. I said, Well, I'll, I'll give it a try. So we stuck the camera on the front of the roller coaster, and so then we just started uh, doing runs of it, and we did it six times. Oh. And every time you got to see, because not only are we holding on, but I got to be Mr. Lead Singer. I'm lip syncing the, the the words, and I got to you know use the hand yeah. gestures and look. You got to be cool. a rock star. Yeah, and then we filmed some of it in slow motion, so then you got to double time it. And uh, after six times, I was like, "I'm done. We can't do this anymore." One <laughs> boy
0: in the back going to throw up. Uh, well, he did throw up. And if
1: you look, there's a bit, we're a five piece band, and some of this video, there's only four guys because Billy, the guitar player, who's right directly behind me. Had to split for a couple uh, of the takes because he was throwing up too. You can see Billy there, but there's other parts where he's not. <clears throat> so, it, and PJ had never been on a roller coaster before i got to give credit to my guys to do a roller coaster six times in the course of an hour and a half. The human body is not no, that uh, made for, for that. that. And when we were done, all of us were feeling it. And I remember later on that night, I was in the hotel just starting to feel really queasy and nauseous and going, this thing better look freaking cool. And it did. <laughs> it did. All that matters is the final uh, the final edit. And, and it, it's something that's never been done before by any other band. And there's a reason for that.
0: I will, <laughs> I will fight ten guys before I get on a roller coaster. I do not. I well, don't like it at all.
1: That's, that was my thing, too. But if we were going to do this really cool promo of the Mike Calta show and it's something that no one had ever done before and you thought it might help you get a number one single, I, uh, you might do it.
0: I, I tell you, I would really have to be talked into it.
1: But see, they they watched this, though. Like, the, the radio programmers... Like, they say, like, the first week this did a million views. Yeah. So they're like, oh, I'll watch on a million views? Well, maybe we'll add the song. And that's all part of the process sure. to get to number one. Everybody has to add your song. And anything you can do that makes you stand above the other bands helps. And a video that does a million views, uh, look at this, we threw a guitar over the edge. <coughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Anytime wow.
1: you can throw a guitar off a roller coaster, <laughs> that's it's just good for the band, exactly.
0: I, um, I, I totally understand that. You're in a situation also where... You actually have a good record. You you have a you know, if it's a guy who's got a real band, okay, and you're turning out real hits, but you're at an at a time where there's it's hard, bad for getting airplay. I mean, now in the back of the day. If I'm not seeking out Fozzie, Fozzie's being shoved down my throat through radio stations, and you don't get that anymore for a band. That's 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 it, very hard. It, it
1: makes a really big difference, though, Mike. Like, I never realized how important rock radio still was yeah. until we started getting played on rock radio. Sure. And that's what really took us to the roof. When Judas went to number five, uh, and suddenly our crowds get bigger, our, our guarantees get bigger, our opportunities to play. I mean, we last year we played with Nickelback, we played with Iron Maiden, we played with Slash. I mean, you're getting these opportunities that you wouldn't get if you didn't have that you know elusive yeah. hit single.
0: Did you? I know you were on the 90 Rock Fest. Did that happen already or is that uh, up?
1: Well, that was postponed twice, and yeah. it's coming up now in September.
0: And that's a that's a list of legit big rock bands. So well, for that's people, the
1: world that we're in. Is but is, I'm is saying with it, those bands. What's yeah. great
0: is is that people who don't know you will be exposed to you doing that live stuff. I've seen so many bands where I didn't know. I went to Letterman one time to uh, watch the show and there's a band on called Band of Horses. Never heard about it, never knew anything. Now I love them. From watching them perform that one time live, it well, forces you to go look And that's
1: up. the thing about, about mentioning rock radio. And, you know, 98 Rock is one of those stations that everybody has festivals. Yeah. So we have one next week in Cadott, Wisconsin. And then we have one in Jacksonville, coincidentally. And then there's one like in the Blue, the Blue Ridge Rock Fest in the Virginia Mountains. And uh, they're all tied into radio stations. You know, Orlando has one. Tampa has one. And it, the, they, they will book the bands that they're playing. Yeah. So that helps like you said and if you don't have any, you know, real estate on the radio, you're not going to get those festivals either. So for us, for example, in Tampa, I think the last time we played it there was 10,000 people there, you yeah. know, and there'll probably be that again this time if not more because everybody wants to go out and do stuff. You know, that's a that's that's a rare number to get those big arena crowds. Yep. You better believe we're going to appreciate it. We're going to destroy it, but we wouldn't have that opportunity if we weren't getting the, getting the airplane.
0: Do you know, I think about you every Tuesday? In no, I'm shower. sorry, every Monday. Well, oh. yeah. <laughs> Uh, every Monday and uh, Wednesday on the show, because um, you said to me one time, I was like, How do you, how does your wife deal with this and all that stuff? And you said, Because every Thursday I throw the garbage and I bring it to the curb. <laughs> I really, and I do the same thing. I'm like, No matter how, how successful you are, your wife still wants you to throw the garbage out twice a week. That's, <laughs> well, it all comes I mean, around.
1: It, it, it does, and once again, like, I've been pretty pretty grounded. I think I'm pretty much the same guy that I've always been. Yeah. You know, I don't ever act like a, like a, like a jerk and, and and get kind of out of control. And if you ever do, all you gotta do is go spend some time at home with your kids and your wife and realize like, what well, does this other stuff really even matter? Yeah. You know. So um, you you definitely have that that vibe and and. Uh, you know, and like I said, the, the, you keep going back to the pandemic, but that's what we just li- lived through. Is it, it sucked not being uh, being on the road for Fozzie or being on the road for AW? But the one good thing was being at home with the family and kind of getting getting to spend some real great time with you know these kids. And, and you'll get this pretty soon too. They're only in the house for oh, I'm already so starting to have years, anxiety man. about it. Yeah, you know. So it was pretty cool that. I got to spend a really good year at home with my kids, and we, we never really stopped doing stuff. You mentioned earlier, you always have kids here. I had more kids at my house and parties, and like the, we were like the the oasis. Right, so if you can't right. go anywhere else. Just come to our house because we got a big property, and and we don't care. Just come over and have fun and live your life, and that that worked out really good for the kids too.
0: I have I have my in laws over here. I had my mother over here. My father over here. And I would go. I was the only one that was leaving the house to go to work every day. And on the way home, I'd go to Publix and I'd buy all the supplies. Yeah, and I'd drop yeah, them off yeah, everybody's yeah. house. I'd come home. My wife was like, "You love this, don't you?" I go, like, oh, "I do. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I want to make sure everything's set and everybody's good. And I want to stay in the compound. This is the. I have yeah. no reason to ever leave." Yeah, I'm then, then the
1: same. You know, yeah. if you got a great place then you want to make sure that other people can enjoy it. Yeah. So that was one of the good things, once again, about this, that we never really had to worry about that sort of stuff. And we still did stuff. We went to Key West last year. We went skiing this year in Utah, which was amazing. Uh We just came back from Hawaii. So tried to keep it as normal as possible for my kids because they're only teenagers once. Yeah,
0: you got to let them do whatever you can now. Yeah, That's right. Uh, Chris Jericho is here with us, also has a new book out, The Complete List of Jericho, uh, which... uh, i, I got to tell you, I've talked to you about this before. That listing was, does that you? you come up with the whole thing?
1: No, that was a guy called Jimmy Jacobs who came up with the idea of it, and then we we uh, kind of took it to the next level. But, but the complete list of Jericho, what this is, and I don't even know if you know what the concept of the book is. I, do, I, don't. I don't. So I kept a list of every single match that I ever had. Okay. From day one, like a diary of of like a, what happened in the match. Yeah, there? everything. Okay. So pick a number between one and two thousand seven hundred twenty-two. We'll go uh, seven hundred and four. Okay, so what I did was I uh, kept a, a, a list every single night after I had a match, I would write it down, no matter where I was. And seven hundred and four is uh, May seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven. I was in Veda, Japan. I oh, a-
0: this is every match over your career. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like for a certain amount of time. No, okay, no, no, go no. ahead. Oh, Since I day hear one,
1: this. Yeah. Chavo Guerrero, Koji Kanemoto, and Scorpio Jr. versus Jushin Liger, Robbie Brookside, Doc Dean, and Gran Naniwa. Uh, there was 2,000 people there. I gave it two and three-quarter stars, and I made 432 bucks. <laughs> so that's the type of information that I kept. And yeah. so I always thought to myself, someday I want to release this as a book. Right. And I... Talked to a publisher that had done four other New York Times bestsellers with, uh-huh. and they went, it's too uh, it's too specific. It's, it, no one's going to be interested in this. And at the time, I had just bought a Rush book that had every gig oh, that Rush yeah. had ever done. And I'm like, you know what? It'll work. So I self-published it. So I put every single match in here, uh, a bunch of top ten lists, a bunch of pictures you've never seen. I got comments from basically everybody in the wrestling business talking about my career. And I put it out, and it just came out last week. And already we've sold half the inventory. It's gone through the roof because it's such a cool history book. Yeah. Nobody does this. Nobody has ever kept a list of every match since October second, 1990. Up until October 7th, 2020, which is where I cut it off.
0: How far do you go with the money but putting how much you get paid in uh, I match.
1: kept that going until I got to WCW because then I was making guaranteed money uh-huh. and so it was the same every okay. week you know but I, I kept like the, the early years man I mean like you know my my first match what did I make my first match $30 uh-huh. October 2nd 1990 versus Lance T. Storm in Pinocchio, Alberta
0: Lance Storm that's <laughs> hilarious that was your first match first match I, I gave it
1: two and a half stars
0: uh-huh.
1: and, the, and then my third match I gave it one star it was uh-huh.
0: a dud did uh-huh. This is my favorite thing in one of your previous books where you talked about uh, your negotiations with WCW. Right. Where you psyched yourself up and you're like, I'm not doing it for... I'm not gonna I'm gonna take sixty five thousand or whatever you said it was hundred thousand dollars. And then they went in there and they're like, All right, we'll give you 175000 hundred and seventy five and
1: you're like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. I went, I went and told my dad that he said it's the exact same thing when I went to Emile Francis in nineteen seventy two and I said, I need to raise from twenty five grand to twenty seven he said, I'll give you thirty yeah. and I said, I should ask forty <laughs> Uh
0: when you when you were in W C W the entire time, uh I remember I remember when uh, your contract was coming up and Jimmy Hart was kinda Running things a little bit over there, and he'd go. We'd, we'd be stupid to let Chris Jericho go. We'll never let that happen. I'm like, he's leaving, buddy. And he's yeah, like, yeah. no, 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 we wouldn't let him go. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> well, I mean, fuck. That,
1: and that's the same thing that happened with Vince. You know, we'll never, he'll never go. And then you, and you go, and that's another the reason why I had no problem. Going to AW once I knew it was right. Once I knew the time was right to leave WCW, then you could pull a, you know, pull a, uh, what do they say, a a money truck up to your house and it doesn't matter. You know, it's never been about that for me. It's been about what feels right to me, and that was that was what was right.
0: You, I love, I love that your passion is in this. It's very obvious about it. What happens when this becomes the biggest thing? Does he, is he hate you? Is he going to be after you now, or he, will he look at you as kind of like uh, Vince? Will he look at you as like a?
1: I, there's really nothing to hate. Well, I don't mean, I
0: don't mean like that. I mean, I'm worry sure, about I'm sure. I'm sure I'm
1: public enemy number one in some ways, but I well, he susp- let you
0: do the, the Austin thing. That was another reason why I thought. Something well, was going yeah,
1: on. you know, yeah. Th- that was both. I mean, it was obviously Tony Khan let me do it because it was smart business on our end yeah and um smart business on vince's end too because he had just started the peacock relationship which is a streaming service so to have jericho on there i'm sure a lot of people bought that just to see the show yeah um so it's always about business that's 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 all it is and um i if 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 we could go back in time and change things you know maybe there wouldn't be an aw but you know there is so uh and I'm a thousand percent committed to it. So.
0: Who anybody uh, that is not wrestling right now that you are like, man, wouldn't it be great if uh, if we can get that guy? Is somebody you want? I
1: mean, there really is not anybody else out there that that can do that can kind of move a needle. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, we got a we got a pretty deep roster. We've been very focused on building the guys that we have, and our young guys. We had a, a main event last week, which was. MJF, who's 25, versus Sammy Guevara's 27. And the number was through the roof. The yeah. demo was insane. One of the biggest demos we've ever drawn. That shows, you know, they add those two guys' ages up, and they're two years you know, yeah. older than me.
0: But that, that, but that was one of the things. That, I mean, you, the success of NXT should have shown that people wanted to see new, new well, we, wrestlers. Well, we
1: came in and blew NXT out of well, the water. Well, but I
0: know but what I'm saying is yeah, like yeah. The, before AEW existed. Well, no, I, I agree yeah. that
1: people want to see it, but people want to see it at a, higher, at a higher level. Yes. And that's what I'm saying. Like, w- w- we did that too, but we did it at such a high level that, you know, They put NXT up against us, and we blew it out of the water. Um, And we continued to go up. Our worst thing that just happened to us was the NBA playoffs preempted the show constantly so people couldn't find it. And now we're back in Wednesdays again, and that makes us dangerous again. So is there anybody out there? I can't really think of anybody. CM Punk. Well, I mean, you could always use CM Punk. I always get the
0: feeling you don't like him.
1: I don't have a problem with him. Not it'll, that problem.
0: I just—I mean, you could—you could not like somebody personally. I just always, every time I bring him up to you, I don't get the feeling like you love him. Well, uh,
1: it's, it's, it, I think that that Punk, when he left the business, kind of left a trail of anger behind him, yeah, and said a lot of things about a lot of people, and I was one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't like him. I just think sometimes guys, you know, the, the pressure and the stress of being in the business gets to them, yeah. And when you talk about people who say, you know, we're laughing about the Brady thing, goat versus goat. One of the reasons why people might say that about me is I never went anywhere. I mean, I took time off here and there, but right. this is 30 years of being in the business, and not a lot of guys can say that. You know, Punk's been gone for seven years, so yeah. if he came back, you know, that it could be a huge deal, but it, the business has changed, and you have to mentally be tough enough to take to it. it yeah. You know, and deal with all the bells and whistles that come with it, and all the, the pros and cons, so... A lot of people can't. They have very fragile egos. And, and maybe Punk was in that position in WWE. But in WCW, a lot of guys were jerks too. And yeah. as soon as they got out of that kind of uh, system that was a very detrimental um, to their mental health system, they became different people. So. I never had a problem with Punk. As a matter of fact, we worked at WrestleMania together. We had yeah. some
0: great programs. I, so. and I didn't think you necessarily had a problem with him. I just never got the feeling that like he was one of your favorite guys. Uh,
1: well, like I said, when people talk talk trash about you, you know. It's, you remember it's, it. It's, yeah, you remember yeah. it, exactly.
0: Um, how come you never uh, decided to do MMA stuff? It, Chris Jericho, a guy who has, behind the scenes, beat up more wrestlers than anybody that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I you, you sound uh, like a lunatic. You have the. Reputation of being one of the toughest guys behind in the locker room, and it starts with uh, Goldberg, Lesnar. Like you've locked up all these guys. Not that you, but you're not. But look at you. You're a calm guy. You're not a fighter. But you, if it comes yeah. down to it, you don't want to f with Jericho.
1: I mean, I don't know um, MMA because I didn't train for it. Right. You know, and you can see we talk about Punk. Like you have to. You have to have some skill. Like Jake Hager's done pretty good. He's undefeated in MMA, yeah. but he's also a college-level
0: wrestler. wrestler. Yeah.
1: So he's got that skill. Punk came in with no fighting skills, and he, and he trained for six months, and I give him full credit, but then he got beat very quickly. This is something that you have to have as your instinct, I think, training for a long time, whether it's boxing, wrestling, you know, uh, I do a lot of kickboxing now, uh-huh. it doesn't mean I'd want to go have a kickboxing match, because, no. you know, it's, it's, it's like when they had Butterbean come in to, to fight, the, you know, Bart Gunn, uh-huh. Bart Gunn was known as, as a tough guy in the street. Boxing is a completely different level, man. Yeah. Like, it's a chess game, so... I never got into it because I never trained that way. And had I been, you know, maybe if if I was 25 years old now, maybe I would train for it. But I just never had the passion for it. For me, it's always about passion and about really feeling I could do great at it. <laughs> and uh, so you getting me mad, and, uh, and away we go. But that doesn't mean I'm going to get into a cage. And, and, Spanish, you know, so
0: he was going to wear no sleeves today to intimidate you, that he'd have no problem taking you down if he had to. Come no, over I'm here, Spanish. No Say all this stuff I'm now.
1: Sure, so the other guy's sitting behind me is ready to jump me in the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I just always think, look, you're, uh, you're, I've seen... These guys, wrestlers, are some of the biggest guys, biggest muscular guys. Then you hear these stories about, here you are, not the biggest guy in the world, but just making grown men cry. And I always wondered uh if, yeah. if that would be something that you'd want to do
1: I mean it's funny like uh when uh was it the Logan Paul boxing match that yeah, happened some somehow my name got in there somewhere and there was some or Conor McGregor there was some tweets back and forth and my son's like you should go do it like would I do it yeah I mean sure I would do it I mean but you have to be ready to you know Eat some crow if you get knocked out. So make sure you make the most money you can from it. Yeah. And whatever happens, happens. You know. Oh,
0: I'd. Oh my God, would I love it if they put you in there with somebody and you turn <laughs> around and lock them up? Like if McGregor came out, spin, I beat him up at this fake wrestling, and all of a sudden you choke them out.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You know, it, it's one of those things where you see that. I mean, I had uh, Tyson last year. We we got into a thing in AEW and. This year now we became friends. He's part of the inner circle. But, I mean, you're in there with Mike, and Mike is super laid back. He's a super great guy. But you can just see it in his eyes. Like, that is a trained killer. Yeah. And I don't care if he's 54 or 24. You get too close to him, he'll knock you out. You know, and that's why I was laughing with the Logan Paul Mayweather. That you know, they like oh, maybe Logan Paul. And it's like, dude, if this was a real fight with a real finish, Mayweather, Mayweather would have knocked him out in two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a trained boxer right. for the th- greatest of all time for thirty years. Yeah. So obviously, he keeps him alive so that he can make money the next time. And all the you know, my nephew and my son, everybody's like, oh yeah, Logan Paul. Like, okay, you guys believe uh, that hmm. And when they ever do an actual fight where it goes on Floyd's record, right. Watch how fast Floyd <laughs> Shut beats him because he, yeah. he ain't going 50 and one to logan paul
0: isn't it amazing though how and well you should know this as a wrestler about you can convince these kids anything it's show business my kid was like oh logan paul's when i'm like i will bet you anything you can have the house i'll bet you and
1: that kid is so smart because he knows that and that's why he's he's making lots of money that's why floyd did he probably made 20 million dollars to go in there and play grab ass with some 22 year old he
0: said that for one he said i got one night to go in there and fight a youtuber to make twenty million dollars? Yeah, why would actually said he
1: made a hundred million? Yeah. Well, I mean that's not true, <laughs> and we know that's not true. But but the point is, it's like sure, go for it. And when when the gravy train ends, maybe then he'll have some real fights. But until then, they'll do all the celebrity things, and he'll win, squeak by. They never have an actual finish, right? You know, there's it's, it's no judges, yeah. So it's like <laughs> that's the thing. Like there's no there's nothing there's no consequences. Yeah. Why yeah. are we watching this? No. Yeah. Because it's the greatest promotion, and that's show business for you. Yeah,
0: and that's a, that's a reason why I have a hard time hating those kids. I don't... I don't hate them don't, at all. They're geniuses. I think they're
1: freaking geniuses. Two dummies you know, from
0: Ohio with no skill whatsoever became the highest paid sure. entertainers. We don't even know what they do. Well,
1: the, the, before that, it was the Kardashians who did yeah. the same thing. Yeah, so yeah, God yeah. bless them. And, you know, it's like t- uh, like... Mike, Iron Mike, uh, when he fought Roy Jones, like, it was awesome to see Tyson, you know, beat the hell out of Jones, basically. Yeah. But there's nothing at stake. No. We're just watching this for fun.
0: We just love Mike. We wanted to see Mike back in the ring. Yeah,
1: and I think, you know, that lasts for a bit until one of those things where it's like, like you know, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. When you're running as fast as you can, you think someone's chasing you, and you turn around and no one's chasing yeah. you, and it takes a couple more steps, you're like, why am I running? Yeah. You stop? I think it's the same with these, these gimmick boxing pay-per-views. Like, why are we watching? In
0: this. It's done. Yeah, Riddick Bo who lives here now, says he w- he's scheduled to fight somebody, and there's a possibility that maybe Tyson. And I'm thinking that's not good for Tyson. I don't. No, think. I
1: mean Tyson's just going to go through the loop and just go through it right. with all of his old opponents, Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield.
0: Look, Lennox Lewis would be one thing, but Riddick Bowe was in the studio with us and he could barely make it out of the studio into well, the door. So who who? I mean, yeah, you, know, you it, don't want it, to see it's that. It's
1: one of those things when we saw, you know, I think the last, uh, you know, the last UFC fight that Chuck Liddell had or yeah. whatever. It's like there comes a point where these guys shouldn't be fighting. You feel bad for but them. It, it, Hey, if you're going to make five million dollars, who's who's the who's the judge that you shouldn't yeah, do it? That's right? true.
0: Listen, uh, Chris Jericho has AEW. You can find it on TNT. He's got uh, the complete list of Jericho now, self-published. Where we Self-publish, find public.
1: that we get Jericho 30com Because, uh, like I said, the publisher said you'll never do it, and I did it. So, give me one more number between uh, one and two thousand. Right, so I
0: went I went low before. I'm going to go one thousand and twenty one.
1: All right, so yeah, and like I said, jericho30.com, and this is really, uh, it's very historical. And the cool thing is, I went and got like over 100 pictures that I, that no one's ever seen from my archives, AKS storage unit down in uh, Lutz, right? I go look through this damn thing for four hours to find all these damn pictures. Uh, 1021, October 25th, 1999. I lost that night. It was a tag with Stevie Richards versus China. And D. Lo Brown in Providence, Rhode Island, crowd of 8,000 people. I gave it two and a half stars. <laughs> what was the pay? Uh, there was no pay at that point. So,
0: so uh, Stevie Richards, that's funny. Um, oh, God, uh, still, do you, so, so do you have your uh, debut in there, your WWE debut?
1: Well, there wasn't a was a match, no match, but, right, but yeah. the, the time frame around it, yeah. Anytime there was a match, I have it in there. It's cool. And then I put, you know, I got stuff from uh, Jungle Boy and Darby Allen and Britt Baker and John Moxley. And Then I put, you know, I got uh, journalists to give me their their favorite Jericho moments. I put my top ten bosses, my top ten uh, catchphrases, all that type of stuff. So it's <laughs> a lot of fun. You
0: didn't ask me for any of my favorite moments. Nothing. I, I, didn't, I didn't get invited to the Jericho 50th birthday no. party. I didn't get into the book. There's no. Well, they, you forget.
1: I'll, I'll invite you to the next one.
0: Forget it. You never. You weren't. going like, to come? Uh, maybe. You'll be there in a second.
1: You bring all these twerps. I don't. Hang,
0: I don't hang out with these guys. <laughs> uh, I will tell you though that the. the I, I'm again. I'm going to be 50 years old this year. Still, if you ask me. One of my most exciting moments as a wrestling fan was when you dated that day that you dated yeah, in WWE. That, was a, that was, was a great night, man. Fantastic. That crowd, I've never heard anything. Like, yeah. We all knew what was going to happen for months, and it was still awesome.
1: It's funny that I was talking to somebody yesterday in Boston, actually doing some promotion for the book, and they were like, we didn't know, but yet everyone knew. And that's the thing. It was not There was not a lot of internet back then. Yeah. People suspected it because it just made sense. Yep. But there was as many people that didn't know that Jericho was going to be there that night that did. And the ones that did were just taking a chance. Because yeah. there was no backstage you know, leaks or anything like that. It was a different time in 1999. And you mentioned I was one of the first guys that had a website. That just started in 97, so the internet was very early. Oh, yeah. You know, so you couldn't really go on and find out. Nowadays to be able to pull that off, I'd have to hide out at a bunker somewhere until three minutes before before my debut and just walk right through. Yep. But it wasn't like that back then, but it was a classic moment. It sure.
0: was it was something else, man. You've had so many great so many times that made me laugh. I don't I don't ever wanna uh bug I don't text you a lot or anything like that, but uh you, but we you w- should. Yeah, we would went- have
1: you would have been at Jericho
0: Fest. <laughs> 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 We were at a show one time locally, my son was still pretty uh young when you had the 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 listing, and you came out, and we were sitting right in the front row. And a lot of the guys that I know would come by, and they'd give my son a little fist pound or something. came by and went to like fist bump my son and he got all excited and when he went to do it, you stopped and you yelled at him and you go, don't touch me. <laughs> he launched back in his seat. I was laughing my ass off. I love those. I love those moments. Yeah,
1: man. man it's funny because I just, uh, I was, I was a bad guy with the inner circle in AEW for the last couple of years. And then we turned, we did a mass baby face turn uh-huh. and I was like, this is the first time I've been a, a baby face, a bona fide baby face. I think since 2012, right. maybe. And, uh, it, yeah, I, I think the days of being a heel are pretty much over for me. Cause oh, you, it, you'll it's always It's hard as it is. You, though, yeah. It's in me, though. Yeah. It's in me for sure. But that sort of stuff of messing with the kids and that sort of thing, like, I was bad Ugh. about 10 years ago. Like, people were attacking me on the, on the street. Uh, oh, really? Oh, you can look, look so... in. Victoria, yeah. BC, uh, Greenville, South Carolina, Madison Square Garden. These are people on the street taking <laughs> swings at me. And this isn't the 70s. This is like 10 <laughs> nah. years ago. That guy, that, Jericho, I could never fall back into that again, where you're literally fighting people on the street. Oh, it makes me laugh so hard when you, you
0: and Kevin Owens were great. That was such a that was such a great day. He's one of those guys. That's one of my favorite interviews with Kevin Owens because they brought him in the studio seven o'clock in the morning. Clearly, did not want to be there. Didn't know who I was. Came in, sat down, and go, "How you doing?" He goes, "Honestly, I'm exhausted." And I thought this is going to be terrible. <laughs> could, yeah, yeah. And then, about, and I saw him turn about ten minutes into it. And I was like, "Thank you." That's one of the things. <laughs> uh, real quick, one more thing. Hockey. We got Tampa Bay Lightning in Montreal tonight. Are you Are you watching? Are you? Uh... Well,
1: I'm kind of a trader in my house, and, and here's the thing: like, and, and I, 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 people, I hope understand this. Um, Canada hasn't had a Stanley Cup since 1993. When the Canadians won. And so I was like, I'd like to see Canada get a cup because yeah. Canada needs it right now because it's still locked up. It's such a, a, a crap show. I don't want you guys yeah. buzzing me again nice. when you say bad words. Hey,
0: we don't make the rules, buddy. It's such, yeah, I say, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's such a terrible situation up there. So for morale, it might be kind of fun. But Montreal is on its own in Canada anyways. It's not like it's Winnipeg or Calgary or Vancouver. So at first I was cheering for Montreal. And then I watched the first game. I'm like, there's no chance. Tampa's going to win. Yeah. And, and, and Tampa deserves it, too, because the fans here are so loyal. I mean, one of the first buildings to open up and have the 16,000 people, which we did not have last year right. when Tampa won. So uh, my Canadian roots would like to see a Canadian team win, but watching the game and living in Tampa, I don't even know if Tampa's going to lose a game. They might lose two. That's tonight, what I said. I mean, the I way know.
0: they played the first yeah. two games, they played crappy last time and they still won the game. Yeah, uh, is, that, is that something that Canadians it's weird because you look at uh, Tampa and people look down on us like uh, I understand when it, when we were a new team but people look down on us like oh we're in Florida we can't possibly make ice down here like yeah. they actually like it's disrespectful <laughs> like, like, like Canada would have an easier time losing to Philly than they would to Tampa
1: well I mean it's not just Canada though like I said I, 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 if I had any real allegiance to the Montreal Canadiens it would be a lot different. Like if it was the Winnipeg Jets Winnipeg, yeah. I'd be at the game with the gestures. you know, I don't care what anybody thinks. Right. You know, they used to get me tickets uh, Jim Mananino used to get me tickets over there, and I'd wear it for a Jets lightning game, and I'd wear my Jets jersey. He's like, Chris, you can't wear your <laughs> Jets jersey in the seats where I got you. I'd get in trouble for it. But um, I think but, but here's the thing. you know, Like you said, people look down or whatever. Tampa's got a great sports base, and the city's been on such a roll. I mean, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, what more can we get? But I think it'd be great if they lose one in Montreal so they could win the Cup in Tampa yeah, yeah. because the people here and the fans here deserve it. They've been amazing so supportive and I'd like to see that just because I'll tell you this and then before you yeah. continue it's just great to see crowds again yeah. and to see crowds enjoying themselves. And I would love to see Tampa win in Tampa for that reason, so you get 15,000 people and however sure. many more outside, just having a great time and remembering what it's like to be alive again.
0: I wish if, uh, if the game wasn't tonight, I'd be going to see Chicago at the amphitheater because I want to see live music so Chicago's bad. Chicago's playing tonight? Chicago's playing tonight at the amphitheater.
1: We're at the 1-800? Uh,
0: yeah. Whatever it's called Gar- yeah, Whatever Mid- it is. Mid- yeah, that it. Mid- who, are they, who are they with? Uh, I don't think they're any. I think it's like three hours of their hits.
1: I was just talking to Tony Schiavone yesterday, because uh-huh. he loves Chicago, and I sent him the documentary. Have you seen the documentary on Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know they were playing here tonight.
0: Tony Schiavone seems like he'd be at a Chicago, concert with an ascot on. <laughs> <laughs> and a pipe. And a pipe. And this is wonderful. Oh, uh, yeah, I- I'm so glad you said that about Tampa fans, because there are uh, broadcasters and teams around the country that seem to think that we don't have a good fan base here, especially for yeah, hockey. And uh, There's this twat in New York that on uh, WFAN that was tweeting that we don't deserve these champions. This is a great sports town. Well, yeah, we've backed, yeah, we've yes. backed crappy teams for a long time, and yes. now we're finally having our day.
1: You know, and anybody that's saying that you don't deserve it in Tampa is because their team didn't make it. Exactly. That's just sour grapes. So they got to keep their you know keep their headlines going. But t- 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 like Tampa has been through a lot. And listen. It's not like the Bucks were great up until you know this season. Even halfway through the season, people were bagging on them. Guess what? Here comes Brady, my close personal friend. That's right. (laughs) 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 Same thing with Tampa. Once again, like they they have a franchise team here. Yeah. And the fact that they won the Stanley Cup last year, and a lot of people say it didn't really count. Because there's no fans there, this is the chance to, to, to make it count. Yeah. It, you know, listen, and if somebody in, in in New York doesn't like it, well, you know, don't worry about it. Go have a piece of pizza and yeah. shut your mouth. <laughs>
0: uh, Jericho 30com to get the book, the complete list of Jericho. The new Fozzie album is out. We're gonna play uh, it's not out yet. The song oh, it's not, is uh, saying We're on. gonna play that coming back. When's the album coming out?
1: we're not sure yet we're on sony now which is great and yeah. they are more concerned with singles at this point in okay. time so the album's done yeah we're calling it uh, chinese fazocracy because it took so damn long <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's it's ready to go and as soon as, as soon as they want to release it, it's fine but until then we'll keep putting up singles and uh building that
0: all right that's fine we'll play it uh coming back in from break thank you so much for getting up early and coming in here uh you know, if it's great. Giovanni Sh- has a heart attack at one of the Christopher Cross concerts. You need a guy to fill in. <laughs> I'm, I'm a quick waiting on a tax return. Hopefully, it ends up in your hands.